Do you guys know about Vita Mobile IV? They are the place that will help you with your hangover. Come to your place, your residence or your place of business and hook you up and get you feeling great. You might have missed Ryan Konensberg, our own Ryan Konensberg, getting blitzed at Blake Street Tavern. But then having uh, Vita Mobile IV came to the rescue. And I mean, they really came through. They come to your home, office, dorm room, wherever you need some serious hydration. They're made up of professional, passionate people about preventative health and the benefits of IV therapy and alternative medicine. Recover and recharge with Vita Mobile IV. Download their app, request a skilled IV drip therapist, and then just sit back and relax because they come to you. Don't forget to use promo code HYD20 to save 20% off your first IV drip. Don't be hungover. Use Vita Mobile IV. Visit VitaMobileIV.com today to learn more. Just download their app and book your appointment. And don't forget, HYD20 to save it up Nuggets Nation the Nuggets are back what an impressive game what a big win this was not like some fluke game as James Harden might have you believe this was a total butt kicking an incredible performance and just honestly one of the better regular season games I had seen from the Denver Nuggets I don't know if we can I don't want to jinx it but I think we might be able to officially say that the Denver Nuggets season has arrived. The Denver Nuggets take care of business. They're up 18 points with two and a half minutes to go against the Houston Rockets. Completely outclassed them. Looked like the better offensive team, the better defensive team, and more important, Denver just looks like they finally have found their footing, and they look like the team that we all expected them to be. So let's pump up the funky music and get it excited for it. This is, of course, the DNVR Nuggets podcast, and I'm your host, Adam Mares. From DNVR, where you can subscribe for just $5 a month and get access to all the premium content. Today's episode of the show is sponsored by Total Beverage, our big partner. Don't forget, you can get 30% off. That's right, 30% off when you use the promo code DNVR2019. 20% off. 30% off. <laughs> Crazy, 30% off. I also want to remind you, we have our um, live recording of our show, which is going to be tonight. You're listening to this. It's going to be tonight, Thursday at Blake Street Tavern, 7 o'clock. I hope you're there. I think we have something like 35 people, RSVP'd 40 people. So I'm hoping for a good turnout. Might be a little bit of snow, but come on out. It's going to be a really fun time. And also, you know, people always ask me how you can support our show. This is a big one. It's our first one. I think these will grow over time. Um, but would really, really love for there to be a nice audience and some nice interaction. We're going to have a panel. Um, and we're going to invite people up to play games, win prizes, and just talk Nuggets. I want to get your Nuggets thoughts. This is a big opportunity for me to interview Denver Nuggets fans about the Denver Nuggets and just have a nice, fun conversation. So come on out, Blake Street Tavern, 7 o'clock. they got great food. We'll eat together, we'll drink together, and we'll we'll talk Nuggets together. Um, So yeah, this episode of the show is going to be on the win over the Houston Rockets, 105.95 here um, in Denver at Pepsi Center. And... Um, I just want to plug, if, if you have not subscribed to DNVR, all season long you have missed The List, which is the companion piece 
that goes along with this. I talk, I give a notebook after every um, game where I share my detailed notes uh, of what I was seeing in the game. I always go back and watch every game twice and really, you know, slow things down, try to really see what was happening. So I get all the details and I share those with you on the show um, for free. But if you want to see the video of them, which I think really helps out, uh, you're going to want to go over to DNVR. And I made this episode free. So if you have not checked out the list, you get everybody. You don't have to be a subscriber for this one. I think there's some like 16 clips that are up there. So um, it'll be a really good example. And hopefully you see it and you say, hey, man, I want to check this out after every single game. And you'll subscribe for $5 a month. All right, let's get into it because a lot of good stuff happened. Um, Denver's energy from the jump was was phenomenal. Um, This has been coming for a while. The team has slowly, and, and when we say the team, I think most guys had had their energy. Jokic is the one that was a little bit slow out the gate this year, especially with sort of his happiness, joy, motivation, focus, purpose, whatever. All of the, I think all of them, quite frankly. But that slowly, you know, over the last five, six games, it's gotten better and better. And I thought tonight was his best game. It was the team's most focused game, and there was just an energy right from the jump uh, with this team. They wanted to make a statement tonight. They wanted to get this win, and they looked like they were in midseason form right from the the jump. We talked a lot about Millie, uh, Jamal Murray's willingness to take the three pointer off of the pull up, uh, you know, step into it off of the dribble, and on the very first play. So Michael Malone before the game actually talked about. It. He said in that Memphis game. It's funny because it's been such a point of emphasis on the show, and uh, it was a point of emphasis for Malone pre-game. He said, you know, in that Memphis game, Murray was such a willing shooter. I think he took like 14 threes or something. He was a willing shooter, and um, he said we need more of that from him. He needs to better recognize when he's open at the three-point line and to take those. And don't care if you make or miss, we just need you to take them. Well, first play of the game, Murray gets what's called a ram screen. So basically he gets one screen and then another screen right after it, so kind of like a double high screen gets just enough separation for him to just casually you don't want to be forcing like quick shots you want to be able to like have enough separation and read that so that you can step right into it Jamal Murray did a great job of that very first play steps into an easy not not easy but a a steps into a three-pointer um and and knocks it down and it was just a good sign it was it was a good omen Houston played up on Jamal Murray and up on the screen all night I think mostly because that's just their scheme and they didn't want to like change their scheme to try to sink like some teams had but nonetheless, you come out and you hit a three right off the bat. Defenses are going to think twice, especially coming off of a 40-point game or 39-point game. You know, Murray clearly coming in with, with a little bit of momentum. So that first play where he knocked down a shot was big, and you can see that one on the list over on thednvr.com. Um, he finished just two of seven, but that seven from the three-point line, but that seven to me is as important as the two. Again, it's the willingness to take those shots because Murray is a good enough shooter that teams are going to, um, they're more concerned about him just even taking any threes. They're not going to give him any open look. So the more he takes, the more that sense of urgency goes up. Jokic did a great job of punishing smaller defenders in the post, and, and this is essential to beating Houston. Houston switches everything. I'm going to talk a lot about that today, but they switch everything, and they trust P.J. Tucker, who is short but stout, and James Harden, who is also short but stout relative to, to centers, and they trust those guys to make 
Um, if you just try to say, oh, they switched. Okay, let's post up Jokic now. He's got a smaller guy. If you go to that well over and over and over again, as I think most like people that are familiar only with 90s NBA basketball, they'd say, oh, man, he he's, has a guard switched onto a center. you got to punish him. Well, we know that statistically, if you go to that well over and over again, even your best post-up players, that's not a very good – it's not a great option. Um, you have to really be dominant down on the block, and there's not a whole lot of other things that teams will allow to come off of those plays. So it's more of a counterpunch. You don't want a steady diet of it. Houston wants to lure you into trying to do that. But it isn't to say that it's never important. And Jokic had several post-ups in this game or just kind of isolation plays against smaller guys. And he did a great job of attacking them and punishing him them so much that, you know, I think Houston was constantly sort of scrambled and worried about Jokic in the post. This has not been the case throughout most of the season. Jokic is off to a slow start in just about every facet of his game prior to the last three or four games or so. Um, But that includes his sort of one-on-one posting up. Tonight he was really, really good at that. Denver jumped out to a 9-2 lead. Barton had some big plays, um, but they jumped out to that 9-2 lead and just looked focused and ready. And then they gave up a 13-0 run. And I think this is really interesting because I thought Denver came out motivated. They looked great. It reminded me of some of the games maybe a month, you know, or not a month, but a couple weeks back where Denver would look good for a second. And then once teams hit them in the mouth, you could see, you know, Pouty Yoke would come out or the team just kind of lost, became isolation heavy. Denver got punched in the mouth with that 13-0 lead, calls a timeout, regroup, and then they come out and go on a 13-0 run of their own. It was, to me, it was the clearest sign yet that Denver has pulled the corner or turned a corner that they were able to go against such a good team like Houston have some things not go their way for an early stretch that I think would for you know would be pretty discouraging it was certainly discouraging and let some of the air out of the building but then they came back and just punched right back and um, it was really really cool to see uh, it, it was it set the tone for what would be a dominant performance after Houston went on that 13-0 run Denver I thought dominated the game from that point out they it took a while to really pull away and create the separation but they were always in control. And it was actually fun. I listened. So I watched the game obviously live at the arena and then get back home after, you know, interviews and, and doing the, the list and, and doing all the work they have to do there. And we rewatched the game. I'm watching the Houston feed and the Houston announcers were just, they were in some ways flummoxed and just it's completely surprised one by Denver's defense, which I'm going to talk a lot about, but also by Denver just kind of controlled the pace of play. It was Denver's game. They owned every asset, uh, facet of it, and it started with that response to that 13-0 run. I want to quickly tell you about the Colorado Core, one of my favorite beers from Breckenridge Brewery, you know, our terrific sponsor. Colorado Core is like this crisp cider um, tasting beer that is really, really fantastic, and it's low sugar, low carb. So if you're one of those people out there that are looking for beers that don't, you know, rack of beers that are just packed with carbs, um, it, it, this is one that is not, and it's also incredibly refreshing, a really, really light beer um, that is one of my favorites. A little bit more of a summer beer. A little bit more, maybe for a snowy day, it's not the perfect beer, um, but it is one uh, you still can drink it all year round because it's so crisp and so refreshing. So you want to check it out. Of course, Strawberry Sky, Avalanche Amber, Vanilla Porter, which many people are calling Vanilla Porter Jr. Not seen today, um, but but really really good uh, beers from Breckenridge Brewery. Who Breck is Colorado? You know, Coors moved their head their uh, headquarters to Chicago. They're out. 
They're out. Breck, the new beer of Colorado. So check them out and check out the Colorado Core. Really, really good one. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have referred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast. I'm your host, Adam Manez. Don't forget, Thursday, that's tonight, Thursday, you're going to want to come to Blake Street Tavern and check out our live show. Really, really cool, unique opportunity to kind of sit and talk Nuggets basketball with myself, Harrison Wynn, Brendan Vogt, Eric Weedham, you might know him as D-Line Co., and just be part of the conversation, part of this show. If you listen to Friday's episode, it's going to be the live show. So if you want to be on it, you want to hear yourself, share it with your friends, tell them, look, I was on this one. Um, come on out. It's going to be a really great time, and you can win prizes. Tickets, really good tickets, like lower lower bowl tickets, um, and then some T-shirts, merch, stuff like that. All right, so Denver, they get punched in the mouth. They come back. I want to talk about slipping the switch. This is on. Um, this is probably my favorite little clip from today's episode of The List. So I talked about how Houston likes to switch everything, and one of the things that they want to lure you into doing is is becoming a stagnant, isolation-heavy team. And Houston, you have to remember, was built with Golden State in mind, that Golden State era of pass-happy ball movement, everybody scrambling. Well, one of the anecdotes to that was, okay, if we switch everything, there's fewer opportunities to... Um, you know, get behind by two or three rotations and give up those wide open plays. So instead, we're going to just switch. Um, we'll be vulnerable to certain things, but maybe we can turn the Warriors into an isolation team, which they did. But unfortunately, the Warriors had Kevin Durant, who's a great isolation player. The Warriors, in many ways, just unbeatable, except for through injury, which is the only time they ever were like even challenged. But um, at least with the KD, the KD version of them. So that was the idea. They wanted to stop ball movement. Well, of course, the Denver Nuggets are a ball movement team. They rely very heavily. They're at their best when the ball gets popping. But there is, and I tell people this all the time, I, I always argue um, with my good friend and colleague, Matt Moore, who's co-host of the Locked On Nuggets podcast with me, um, I, I always talk about, oh, you know, Denver's been scouted. There, there, there's Teams now know how to defend them. And I always push back on that for this reason. The, the Nugget style of ball movement offense, while it is difficult and when teams, you know, um, tighten up defensively, you know, it does. There are certain things that become more difficult, just as every offense becomes more difficult against good defenses. But the style of ball movement, there's always a counter. And so one of the counters for when a team is trying to switch everything is to slip the screen. A slip means if you're the screener, 
and you're setting a pin down screen, you go towards the pin down, but, but then before you actually make the contact, you slip, meaning you, you dive or cut to the basket. It's kind of, um, you imagine setting that pin down and then jolt right to the basket right when the switch happens. And what's nice is that moment, the, the exchange, switching is difficult because the two defenders have to be on the same page. And it's like, okay, I'm guarding this guy, this guy, this guy. Okay, switch. Now we're, we switch. Well, if you can slip that screen right at the switch, then there's a, an excellent opportunity to throw the quick pass there and have a wide open shot. Well, Denver did this. And you can check it out on the list. I gave three different examples of it in the game. I could have given 20. But there were three different examples of it where Denver did a great job. Um, the guards, the wings, even Paul Millsap did a great job of slipping those screens. And then both Mason. Mason Plumley and Nikola Jokic did a great job of throwing those passes on time because that that opening isn't huge. It's a tight window, but if you get a half step, Jokic is so good he's going to find you. Denver did a great job, the best they have ever done, in my opinion, against the Houston Rockets at finding opportunities to slip the screen and score. So really, really good, good job there. Um, they also did a good job. So the switch is one half of what I thought was so unique about this game. The other half was Denver did a great job of sending late doubles against James Harden. Um, and what I mean by late doubles, Denver talked about wanting to mix up their coverage. You can't do the same thing every time. Well, one of the things they did most frequently that was really, really effective was, you know, you pressure Harden and Harden is a guy that likes to get the ball in isolation. He gets somebody out on an Island where they're very vulnerable. When I say Island, I just mean where the help is far, far away. And then he kind of runs the clock down to the final seconds and then starts to dance and then goes one-on-one and then, you know, you're up against the shot clock and he either step back or gets to the rim or whatever. Well, Denver would let him dance for the first, you know, 14 seconds, 15 seconds of the clock, but then they would send the double. When you double team, especially when you double team out on an island, what you are vulnerable to is the backside rotations. Usually that's not the first pass out of the double team. So, you know, you send a hard double, you're, you're vulnerable now to a four on three, but you can cover one, two rotations, especially if you fully commit to them. But if there's only five seconds left on the clock when that double arrives, you only have to make maybe one rotation, sometimes maybe two at the most. And so a lot of times when you get killed from doubling, it's from two, three, four passes, swing around the arc, and now you're and now there's a wide open shot. Well, Denver was smart because, you know, they were waiting until there was four, five, six seconds on the clock, send the double. Now there's just not enough time to move the ball around. And Denver, that vulnerability was diminished. And James Harden did not do a great job of, of reading that. Now, the thing is, if you do that every single time, Harden would read it. And actually, I should have put this on the list. Maybe I'll put it on Twitter or something tomorrow because there was an example, back-to-back examples, where Denver sent the help kind of in the same exact timing, same rhythm, late in that clock. First one, Harden screwed up. I think he turned it over. Next play, he he reads it perfectly, waits for that double to come, and then delivers a perfect pass. Denver still made a great defensive rotation and got the stop on it, but it was an example of Harden sort of feeling the rhythm. And this is why Denver talks about you can't do the exact same thing every time down. You have to kind of pick when you double, pick when you don't, fake the double and then don't, send the double a little bit earlier or a little bit later. And I just thought Denver was so on a string tonight the, the the guys going to double were so smart and bought in and just the timing was so perfect. But then the backside guys were so keyed in to make the rotations. One of the best defensive efforts I've seen from Denver. And you, it, it, it was such an encouraging and promising performance from them. 
Um, and Jokic was in, as engaged as he's been all year, as I mentioned. He was sprinting the floor in transition. There's a great play on the list up on the DNVR.com. Again, free for everybody on this one episode. Um, Jokic, he he sprints the floor, seals Clint Capella, and then Barton goes coast to coast for a layup. It's just little plays like that that make a really uh, make a difference. When we talk about the Nuggets' offense isn't looking good and Jokic is pouting, well, this was sort of um, chicken and egg, right? Jokic wasn't hustling like he was in that play early in the year, and therefore you weren't getting these Barton coast-to-coast, which are a lot harder when you know one or two of your players just isn't giving 100%. Juancho Hernan-Gomez came in first before Craig. There was no Malik Beasley, no Michael Porter Jr. tonight. Not surprising. So people kind of scoffed at me when I said last week that it was weird that Malik Beasley was out for a week with an illness. And what I was insinuating, some people were saying, what you think his illness is real big or something like that. No. I was thinking maybe he's just not in the rotation. Maybe that illness was a one-day illness, but really the truth was he just wasn't back. And I think that might be the case. Denver, with all the, you know, their front court players are very, very good. Um, obviously, Millsap, Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley, Nikola Jokic. So the the logjam then becomes at small forward. And one way you can open up minutes for Torrey Craig, Juancho Renan Gomez, Will Barton, and Michael Porter Jr. is to cut one of the shooting guards out. And Malik Beasley, I think, has been that casualty. And quite frankly, the last couple games, you can't argue with it. Denver's been very good. Now, I think there are matchups where Malik Beasley might play. Obviously, injuries, I feel confident with him in the court. But right now, it looks like Wancho, Michael Porter Jr., and Torrey Craig in some order are going to be the guys that get the minutes. Tonight, it was not Michael Porter Jr., but again, Torrey Craig, I give him, you know, I talk about sometimes I think his defensive impact is not great. He is really good against Russell Westbrook. He has, for a couple years now, he has really guarded him hard. And, you know, Oklahoma City threw an offer at Torrey Craig in large part, I have been told, because Russell uh, uh, Westbrook really likes him and knows how hard he is to go up against. So that's one matchup he really likes. And then I thought he did just a phenomenal job on James Harden tonight. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But Torrey Craig, not surprised at all, he got the nod, and he played great. Denver didn't win this game without him, I don't think. Um, Jeremy Grant had a couple nice drives. He seems to score when he goes to his right. This is Jeremy Grant is a guy that has a lot of tools, but I think that it, the polish, to me, there's a... He's, he's a little bit older for a player that you would expect to make a leap, but I actually think he has a leap in him because he has more tools than what he necessarily knows how to use them. He's getting like 30% out of his tool set. And one of those is, I, I mentioned, he seems to score when he goes to his right, but he always goes to his left. In fact, he almost always, if you pay attention to this, you, you can't unsee it once you, once you hear it or once you see it, but he, he his favorite move and sort of a crutch is he always goes right-left. Like he gets the ball and it's instinctive without even thinking he puts his right dribble down and then crosses over to his left and goes to his left. Well, he's a right hand, you know, he, he can go to that right hand and he's so long. I, th- I think he needs a few more moves. He's sort of one of those players that is stuck in a where he does the same move every time. And I think opening up his handle is not that bad. And he's so long that he, he has some nice drives tonight. He went right and he did a really good job with it. Um, I said Craig guards Westbrook as well as anyone. He had some really a couple block shots, just some flustered plays. Westbrook was really frustrated. It was pretty. It was pretty funny. Um, Wancho's off ball cutting is just so perfect. I've talked about this a lot. Off ball. Being a fifth option and being an off-ball guy, it's a lot about cutting angles. It's a lot about the ability to shoot and just how you move around the court. There's different – maybe one time on the list this year I'll go over some of the principles for moving off-ball around the perimeter. It's not just as simple as, you know, 
stand still on the perimeter or, or slide your feet this way or that way. There's certain sort of rules or principles that you follow about which way do you slide your feet left, right, you know, how to read, and I'll have to go over that. But Wancho's so good at it, but he's also good the third wheel of it. So if I said cutting, spotting up around the perimeter, and then the third wheel is um, crashing the offensive glass, finding angles. Well, Wancho's so good at this, and he had a great one-handed putback tonight that I broke down on the list exactly how it happened. It wasn't just, you know, coincidentally in the right place at the right time he had a perfect angled and timed cut to be in position to make that play and it's sort of indicative of the type of plays he always makes um, and that's one of the reasons I'm so high on him as a Jokic player but also just as like a offensive elevator he raises the offense because he's always in the right spot offensively and that helps your good players be good um, so the first unit was absolutely rolling midway through the second quarter. Defense was incredible. Offense was comfortable. And the Nuggets looked like in that second quarter, and really in the whole game, but in the second quarter, they got going in a way that you thought, man, this looks like the Nuggets. Even though they hadn't quite pulled separation yet, you just felt like something was coming. Um, you, you felt like they were going to break through because they were playing such beautiful basketball. The Green Solution has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. Get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your, order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online and head to the closest green solution for pickup. They're all over Denver. Great, great company. Use DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Back here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast, don't forget about the live show Thursday, Blake Street Tavern, 7 o'clock, be there, prizes to give away, fun, and just supports the show, I'd appreciate it, so come on out, come say hi, it'll be a good time, also don't want to, don't forget, if you're a subscriber, awesome, $5 a month if you're not, it's really, really cool, um, lots of great content, our Broncos content, our Avs content, everything, Rocky, everything is so great on the side, I really, really enjoy um, this company and just all of the different minds, and I'll just tease this. I actually haven't teased this yet. In two weeks, we're dropping a project that I've been working on for about a month. That's all I'm going to say. Very excited. It's going to be a two-week project. It's going to be site-wide. Really, really cool thing. You're not going to want to miss out. And then, of course, we have merchandise on the site. We have some awesome shirts that have been designed by D-Line Co., my good buddy, your good buddy, um, that that you're really, really going to enjoy. Um, so if you want to check it out, Thrill, we've got some uh, Die Hard Skylines, we just have some cool stuff, and then a bunch of DNVR, the DNVR hats, by the way, fire, absolutely fire. All right, let's get into it again, second half here, I've been so impressed with Will Barton's defense, it's funny, last year, or two years ago, he received an all-defensive vote, and I remember laughing about it, like, oh my god, he's one of the worst defenders ever, he has, he has been a very good defender. It's funny, he got benched in this game for, I shouldn't say he got benched, Torrey Craig got the nod to close the game because Torrey Craig's a defensive specialist and he was incredible, but it's funny that Barton was the one that got that didn't get to close because Barton was so good defensively and so dialed in. I've got a couple different clips on the list of just kind of shockingly great Will Barton on-ball defense. Um, his, his whole season has been so impressive. I just can't be more impressed with Will Barton. Uh, he had a, a, a sequence where he stuck Westbrook and like made him shoot a, a shot that didn't even hit the rim, hit the side of the backboard. Just really, really impressive. Paul Mills, another impressive defender, Paul Millsap, who is fun to watch defensively. I have a clip up on on for the list as well. Again, this one's free. You're going to want to check it out. I think you're really going to enjoy it. But th- he had one, um, Millsap had one where 
He's just so dialed in at all times. Like, if you ever just sit and watch Millsap in a defensive possession, he's like a lion stalking prey. He's just always down in the, like, crouch position, ready to go. And he had one today where it's funny, you could tell, and I broke it down on, on, in slow-mo where you could see, he clearly sees exactly where the pass is going to go to the rolling guy, and he, like, kind of crouches down, like, okay, as soon as he throws this, I'm going. Throw goes, he sneaks over, gets the steal, and he's just he's a, he's a fantastic defensive player. I liken him to a free safety. Denver's coverage tonight, blitzing those pick and rolls, playing up high. Um, but to do that, you have to have great coverage behind you, and that's Paul Millsap. He's like the free safety that allows you to blitz every single possession. Really, really cool. Um, Jokic rolled to the rim a lot more tonight, and I, I don't know if that was by you know what the reason was, if it was because. I, I think part of it is certainly because Houston was playing up. They were bringing Capella up to the level of the screen, Tyson Chandler too. So when they do that, there's room for Jokic to roll and, and to you know be in the painted area where he's so, so good. I think third in the league right now in shots in the paint outside the restricted area. He's just, his floater is the one floater on the team that is you know just so consistently good. But Houston playing up, you know, with a drop as teams have been dropping, you know, Jokic tends to pop a lot more, and, and it's the right read. It's just Jokic isn't hitting his shots right now. Curious to see how teams going forward defend Denver and how Denver handles it if they continue to drop. They did not in this game, and I don't think it's a coincidence that they look so good. Um, Murray has really improved as a decision maker in the pick and roll. This one's also on the list, this example, but just I've been so impressed with him this year and how he's read that made quick decisions. And tonight he had this great play where he turns the corner. It wasn't quite a pick and roll. It was more of like he curled around and received a pass, curled around Jokic to the top and then drove to the basket. But Jokic did roll, so it was like a pick and roll with you know Murray not having the ball until after Jokic started rolling. I guess you'll have to see the clip just to understand it. But um he did a great job of on this one play of drawing Tyson Chandler out from away from the rim, going into a shooting motion before dropping it off to Paul Millsap for an easy, easy shot. Then the very next possession, he comes down, and this time the, the rim protector sinks towards the rim to take that away, and he reads that perfectly and goes for a little scoop shot, which he scores. Those things, it sounds simple, but you watch the video, those are things that are happening. He's, he has to read that within like a quarter of a second, and he just has done a really good job of that. Um, you know, fourth-year guard, the game is slowing down for him, and he's making those reads a lot better, just a lot smoother um, now at that. And it, it, it's, it's funny, the trajectory he's on, if he gets even better and better and better at this, he's really going to be a heck of a player. Um, Jokic in the pick and roll, I, this is another one that's on the list. He did a great job of playing up on Harden. You know, Harden doesn't want to take mid-range shot. You look at his shot profile, it's not just because he's so good he gets to the spots he wants to, which is a large part of it, but there's also is a little bit of, like, he's averse to taking certain types of shots, and Jokic did a great job of running him off the three-point line in pick and roll, stepping up high enough so that he didn't feel, Harden felt discouraged from just taking contested threes with Jokic's hand in his face, but he also did a great job of running him off that line, but then backpedaling to the rim, knowing that Harden doesn't want to pull up from the free throw line and take that shot. And there's a really, really good example of how Jokic is basically luring him in exactly to where he doesn't want to go. And it's just, it, it's sort of a game of chess that the two are playing. It's really, really cool. Jokic won this one. Um, I really enjoyed the Wancho and Craig dynamic. It's funny, we've been talking about who's, you know, whose minutes are you going to get Wancho or Craig? Play them both together and you get two guys. The one thing that they both have 
well, there's two things. One, offensive rebounding. They're both very, very good at that. But also just pure hustle. Both guys are always making hustle plays. And when you put both of them out there with Jeremy Grant, with Mason Plumley, and that lineup is, uh, you know, that, that lineup sucks to go against. I mean, they're really pesky. You can imagine being at altitude as Houston was and having to play a late third, early fourth quarter against that unit and them just ne- being so relentless, never quitting. And that's exactly what happened. Houston looked like at a certain point they were just like, man, this sucks. These guys are tenacious. Um, Double the hustle. Jeremy Grant, I talked about his skill set, him not using his tools. He had a couple post-ups in this game that he you could tell he didn't know what to do. He ended up he had one that was like a five-foot jump hook that he somehow turned into like a 12-foot fadeaway. So it, it, again, I hope that you know Denver's able to retain him and, and you know pay him, but also that he really works with Denver's great coaching staff. Of course, John Beckett, who was on this show just a, a week ago. If you haven't listened, scroll back in the feed a little bit and check it out. Really, really great insight about training players and developing players. But they've done such a good job. Steven Graham, Ogi Stiljakovic, um, and just the whole Denver Nuggets uh, coaching staff has done such a great job of, of coaching these guys that I really think that Jeremy Grant skill set can have a steep learning curve because there's tools there. He just has no idea how to use them. Um, I talked about Craig just locking up Harden and Westbrook down the stretch. Led to a great run, a phenomenal run. I thought Malone might leave the bench in a little too long. That's one of his things he has a tendency to do, but that was not the case as the bench extended the lead to like 12 points or something like that. And then, of course, Torrey Craig closed with the starters. Barton was really good. Craig was just a little bit better. And Barton, after the game, seemed fine with it. And this is one of the things you really like about this team is Barton is secure knowing that he has that starting small forward job. Nobody's taking it from him. But on a night like this where Craig hadn't been playing for the last few games. Tonight, he not only plays but closes. And, you know, Malone has such a tough job with how much talent is on this team. But I would say that after, I mean, this is coming after a feel-good win. But it really does seem like Craig, who was unhappy about being benched, of course anybody would, at least has accepted his role. And Barton, who is so prideful for being a starter and played so well in his own right tonight, was fine with sitting this one out in the fourth quarter like he was. Now, it's just one game, and it's a feel-good game. If they would have lost, Barton probably you know, would not have been happy to do that. But at the same time, the team seems to trust Malone enough to do this on nights like this that everybody seems happy for each other. So really, really, really cool one. Oh, I should mention Jokic took a pretty hilarious charge on James Harden. That was kind of a nice like little sort of button on this game. This was an impressive one, though, guys. Houston was on fire. They'd come in eight games in a row on an eight-game winning streak. So they were a team that was feeling good about themselves. James Harden was strutting on the court. When they went on that 13-0 run, you could tell this was a Houston team that wanted to make a point against Denver, but instead Denver made a point against them. And now you have a 10-3 team that has gotten to 10-3 despite not playing great basketball very consistently. This was far and away their best game, and it was a really, really great performance that personally, for me, makes me look at this team and say, I don't know if they're going to be consistent. They have another great challenge coming up on Friday with the Boston Celtics in town. I have no idea. They could lay an egg in that game. They could not look like this team. But what I will say is that the level they reached tonight was certainly higher than any level they reached in November last year. This was a team that looked like the April version of the Denver Nuggets. And that, to me, is really encouraging because we're only 13 games into the season. And Denver looked like they were mid-season form at least for one game. So where will they be if they can continue this, um, you know, month for the next several months? What will this team look like when everybody is sort of on the same page offensively and defensively? This was one that were hinted at their their upside, and it was really really cool to watch. 
The live show. Last time I'll plug it, guys. Don't forget, tomorrow, Thursday night, 7 o'clock, Blake Street Tavern. Free to attend. All ages are welcome, family-friendly, and it's going to be a great time as we talk about the Denver Nuggets, share some laughs, do some goofy stuff, and just have a really good time. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. Close out today's show by telling you about Strava Craft Coffee. Some game-changing coffee. StravaCraft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. They're incredible, so check them out. CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is all-natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. As Strava says, drink deeply live fully. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code DNVR20 at checkout and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. What could beat that? Strava Craft Coffee.